This morning, if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke in just a moment. We are delighted to have you with us. Delighted to have so many guests with us. It has been cold. It's been cold this entire week. I saw somewhere where it's been warmer on the, on the planet Mars than it has been here. So I don't know about that. But we're, we're glad you could be with us today. Our calendars tell us it's a special day. But our hearts remind us that every Sunday is a special day. Today we come together to remind ourselves of the death of Jesus, his resurrection, and the great glory and hope that we have today. It's Christmas morning. The children are all about presents. <clears throat> I'm sure the most asked question among them today is, what did you get? And for moms and dads, it's a day that they try to make special, to make some memories, and to put some precious things together. And all across this country, the congregations are focusing on Luke chapter 2 and the birth of Jesus. And Jason and I, this, this evening in our evening worship, we're going to have a special lesson about the birth of Jesus. We're going to talk about together what the birth of Jesus means and what we should learn about those things. But there's another lesson that I want to talk about, and this day is also special for another reason. And so our time today takes us to Luke chapter 7, and we want to talk about the idea of intersections. This is the last Sunday of the year. Lord allows it. We gather together next Sunday. It will be a brand new year. It will be the first day of a brand new year. And intersections are about the idea of things coming together. One's going one way and one's going the other way. And as we think about the ending of one year and the beginning of a new year, again, it puts before us several, several great lessons. And in Luke chapter 7, we find three intersections. And I want to read through those with you, and then we're going to see some simple lessons that will help us as we think about our Lord and such things. We begin in Luke chapter 7, and in verse 11 through 14, where we're going to read about the intersection of joy and sorrow, and how fitting that is. On a day like today, many are very joyous, very happy, but there are others, because a seed is empty today, there's sorrow in their hearts. And when we think about this intersection of joy and sorrow, we're going to read about two crowds that intersect. One crowd is coming into town, and another crowd is leaving and going out of town. One crowd is very, very happy. They're with Jesus. Great things have been done. Another crowd is heading to a cemetery for a funeral. Let's read this now. Luke chapter 7, begins verse 11. It says, Now it came about soon afterwards that he went to a city called Nain. And his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large multitude. Now as he approached the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her, and said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin, and, and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. And fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report concerning him went out all over Judea and in all the surrounding countrysides. And so what we see here is this idea of these two crowds intersecting. One happy because Jesus has been doing great things. He's been doing miracles. The other very, very sad. This poor mother burying her only child and she was a widow. What's going to take place for her? Who's going to take care of her? But at this intersection, 
Jesus makes all the difference. We move on to Luke chapter 7 now to the very next verse. And we find yet another intersection. This is the intersection between faith and doubt. And beginning with verse 18, it says, And the disciples of John reported to him about all these things. And summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who's coming, or do we look for someone else? And when the men, heard, when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who's coming, or do we look for someone else? And at the very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits. He granted sight to many who were blind. And he answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. And blesses the one who keeps from stumbling over me. Now, what we see here is John had some questions. Earlier in John chapter 1, when Jesus first shows up, he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now John is sitting alone in a prison, dark, scared, discouraged. Now he has doubts. Is this the Messiah or is it not? And so he sends the word. And how Jesus tells him, don't just say, yes, I am, or no. What have you seen? What have you heard? And they give that great report to these things. Now, the third intersection in the John, excuse me, Luke chapter 7 takes place beginning in verse 36. And this is the intersection between humility and pride. Let's begin now in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when, he, and when she had learned he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And she kept wiping them with her hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, and he replied say it, teacher. It says, a certain moneylender had, had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Which of them, therefore, will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Now turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but since the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. And those who were reclined at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace." And again, what an interesting intersection here. Here's this woman, and the text calls her a sinful woman. Simon recognized her as a sinful woman. He said, what sort of woman is this person? 
But the whole time she was in that home, she honored Jesus. She believed in Jesus, and she knew who Jesus was. Simon, being the host, did nothing. No water for Jesus, no kisses for Jesus, no honor for Jesus. And in this simple passage, we have before us these complexes or these contrasts. Joy and sorrow, faith and doubt, humility and pride. And what I want to do with you this morning is just share with you three or four simple lessons from this. Number one, these intersections teach us about life. They teach us about life. Life is a journey. It's not all one way or the other. Now, when we look at this, we would love to take the choice. I'll take joy, not sorrow. I'll take faith and not doubt. I'll take humility and not pride. But life is not one way or the other. It's a mixture of all these things together. We remember in Psalms 23 when we talk about the green pastures and the quiet waters. Within that chapter, there are also dark valleys and they're sitting across from our enemies. There are days of joy and there's days of tears. We sometimes sing, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. But then sometimes we sing, does Jesus care? And that's really what life is about. And when we look back over this year, we see these mixtures. There's been some joyous moments for this congregation and for you individually. There's been vacations and baptisms. We've had weddings. We've got little babies among us this morning who were just born this past year. Happy occasions. But we also look among this room today, and there's some faces no longer on this side. There's been some funerals. There's been some deaths. And when we look at that, it reminds us how important it is to see these lessons and to see what the Bible teaches. The trials of our life, the tears, the struggles, they bring us closer to the Lord. That's exactly what James would teach us in James chapter 1. Rather than trying to run from these things and avoid these things, James says in James chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. What a contrast, or what opposites, trials and joy. Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. What they do is they bring us closer to Jesus, and upon these things, our character is forged, and these things help us. It also reminds us that seasons pass. Debbie and I on the way over today was, were talking to one another, saying, how in the world do people in very, very cold climates, when it stays this way, it's been this week, for months, how do they get by? I couldn't do it. We have four or five days of this below zero, and we're ready to go crazy because it is just so cold out there. Seasons pass. Seasons of sorrow pass. Seasons of joy pass. And all that reminds us, trials and problems and difficulties, they do not say the greener pasture, the greener uh, waters that God has for us is what helps us and sustains us. The greater question is, when we go through seasons of sorrow or doubt or pride, what do they do for us? Do they make us bitter? Do they make us give up hope? Do they make us not see the Lord? We remind ourselves, as much as we want sunshine all the time, all times having sunshine makes a desert. A desert's not a very pleasant place to live. A second lesson we see here is these intersections teach us about people. 
They teach us about us. And they remind us of some great lessons that we need to see us about this. We see a happy crowd intersecting with a sad crowd. We see a confident crowd being asked questions by someone who's not sure. We see a humble person who's being judged by a proud person. And that reminds us, first of all, that not everyone is in the same place. It's kind of like the seven dwarfs. There's bashful, there's grumpy, they're sneezy, some are dopey, some are happy, some are mourning people, some are not. Some are glad to be here, some are not. Some get Jesus, some don't get Jesus. Some are in a good mood, some are in a sour mood. Some feel great, some don't feel great. There was a woman honoring Jesus and Simon was complaining. All of this reminds us that we're not in the same place. Secondly, we don't have the same needs. A grieving mother needed comfort. A doubting John needed assurance. A judgmental Simon needed a rebuke. And all of that reminds us as we gather together that we don't have the same needs. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul would put it this way in chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he would say in verse 14, he says, We urge you, brethren, admonish you unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all people. What a young family. Now look in this congregation. We got some young families here. Little bitty kids. Now all my kids are growing up and out of the house. What they need is not exactly what I need. What keeps them up at night isn't what keeps me up at night. What they need spiritually is not necessarily what I need spiritually. And so what that tells us and what that shows us is the complexity before us as the shepherds and the preachers trying to give lessons to all of us because we're not in the same place and we do not have the same needs. Now, secondly, what we understand with this is that we need to be sensitive to where people are. Again, as we think about these three intersections, there was somebody who had some questions. There was somebody who was judgmental. There was somebody who was grieving. And we need to be sensitive to where they are. Some are rejoicing, some are weeping, some are in need, some can help those who are in need. And so again, when we go to our New Testament, to the book of Romans in chapter 12, notice what Paul would say begin verse 10. Romans 12, verse 10. He says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulations, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Again, being sensitive. Being sensitive on a day like today. Realizing that as some of us are very happy today, some of us are not very happy today. Realizing some of us got the world by the tail, some of us feel like the world's caving in on us today. And these lessons, these intersections, remind us of how valuable that is. And then these also remind us that not everyone is where they ought to be. That's what Jesus did with Simon. Simon was not where he should have been. Simon's a great example of this. He was invited to Jesus' house, but he did not act like a host. He gave Jesus nothing. And Jesus did not allow Simon to stay there. He didn't say, well, it's okay. It wasn't okay. He was hard on that woman. He was judgmental on that woman. And so what Jesus was showing is that, Simon, you need to change. 
And what we realize from intersections are, there's people that need to change. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's you. And in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4, the Hebrew writer will say it this way. Hebrews chapter 4, as he talks about this powerful word of God, he says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What will change us is the word of God. And when we put that word of God into our hearts, and we think seriously and deeply about the Jesus we love so much, it'll make a change come about in our lives. And then the third lesson we see in these intersections is that these intersections teach us about Jesus. The common thread in all three of these stories is Jesus. He was in all three of these stories. It was Jesus who recognized a grieving mother. It was Jesus who understood the questions of an uncertain John. It was Jesus who saw the heart of a humble believer. It was Jesus who saw the heart of a prideful Pharisee. And to each of these, Jesus brought exactly what was needed for the hour. Comfort for sorrow, answers to questions, correction to pride, salvation to faith. And that's where we are today. Gathered together, different needs, but united on the common ground that Jesus is the Lord, Jesus is the King. Hope, promises, comfort, salvation, answers, truth, that's what we find in Jesus. And so what we see in these intersections is that every single person needed Jesus. That grieving mother needed Jesus. Simon needed Jesus. That sinful woman needed Jesus. And so do you, and so do I. And we also see in these lessons that not one person was more important than the others. Jesus could have said to Simon, well, you should have been back a few, day, a few steps before me where I saw this grieving mother. She's more important. no. She wasn't more important. And nor was that sinful woman more important or less important. Everybody is equal to Jesus. And maybe we have somebody among us this morning. And maybe this is the first time you've been in a church building a long, long time. And you might be thinking, well, I don't know if I need Jesus. Well, you do. We all do. And every one of us. And what a difference he makes. And what we see in this lesson also is Jesus is never too busy for you. He wasn't too busy going into town. He, he, he stopped and interrupted that, that funeral that took place. He wasn't too busy to confront and answer John's questions. He wasn't too busy to deal with Simon. He wasn't too busy to deal with that woman. He's not too busy to deal with you. No one knows what's going through your heart. No one knows what's going through your life more than Jesus. No one can help you more than Jesus. Now, one other intersection I want you to notice here, and that is all three of these stories are joined together in one chapter in our Bible. Three intersections, and they're brought together in that Bible. And God wants us to see this. And as we think about this, most of us would have never known each other had it not been for Jesus. I can just go row through row, just give you every one of your names. You're all friends and dear to me. I love every one of you. But you know what? Had it not been for Jesus, we don't live in the same neighborhoods. I don't work where you work. Different hobbies. Very, very, very likely we would not have even known each other. We could be in a store and even see each other, but we wouldn't have known each other. Jesus has intersected our lives. And Jesus has brought us together. 
And Jesus has made a difference. And because of that, we bring out the best in each other. Because of that, we have one heart and one mind and one soul, as Paul would tell about the Philippians in chapter 2. Because of this, we have our connections and our family, as I said before in Larry's prayer. All of this reminds us that we have intersections today. Could it be, could it be God has put you in this place at this time to connect with somebody who's going to help you down the road? No one who meets Jesus ever remains the same. And that's what we see here in Luke chapter 7. And so as we head into the new year, what will it be like? Will it be tears or will it be joy? Will it be happiness or sorrow? Will it be salvation or questions? It will probably be a little bit of all of those things. And that's what Luke chapter 7 teaches us, is that life is a mixture of all those things. But when we put Jesus in the middle of all those things, we put Jesus in our laughter, we put Jesus in our joy, we put Jesus in our sorrow, we put Jesus in our questions, all those things will help us. And as we look back over this year, and we talk about what we have done, whether as a church or as a family or as an individual, what will this year look like, this coming year? It all depends, a lot of that, where we are with Jesus Christ. So simple thoughts for us. Three intersections, one intersection helps us as we think about our walk with Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, we can help you in any way. If you'd like to talk a little bit more about this Jesus, we'd love to talk to you about him. If you have some questions, we would like to show you what the Bible says for your answers. If you're ready to be baptized, you know enough. You've heard enough. You've heard Jason preach. You've heard me preach. You know, I need to be baptized to go to heaven. I need to be walking with Jesus every day. I need to be a worshiper every single day of my life. Let us help you. Won't you come as we stand and as we sing?